advantage of the day. Right. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, Chiefs Kingdom, and welcome to another edition of Defending Said Kingdom. Mitch Holtis with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen. A reminder that the Defending Kingdom is brought to you every episode by the great folks at 360 Vodka, Kansas City's hometown vodka and the official vodka of the Chiefs Kingdom. This episode we will call Powering Through It, using Andy Reid's own words. But before we do that, do we have we heard from any other parts of the earth yet? Of course. I mean, this is the best part of the week, right? Antarctica, is it still wide open? Antarctica is still wide open, so if you're watching and you want to place your flag in a place that we have not heard from yet, we need Antarctica. But we do have the Caribbean. We have Nassau, Bahamas. Ooh. Damien and Nassau, Bahamas like uh, is listening to Defending the Kingdom. That's it for international this week, but there's a few more uh, around the country. Carlos in Albuquerque, New Mexico, listening to Defending the Kingdom. And then uh, Jeremy in Carrollton, Texas, that's part of the DFW yeah. area. Mm-hmm. He says that there's a lot of Chiefs fans in the DFW area, and I saw that and thought Lamar would like that, watching from a, uh, a pie. So and a lot of Chiefs fans out there in Dallas. And since Patrick Mahomes has become the QB1 here in Kansas City, even more fans in the Metroplex. Most of those are Texas Tech fans, but the Metroplex likes the Kansas City Chiefs. They like the Cowboys in the NFC, but they've kind of adopted the Chiefs in the AFC. Easy done, well done. It's legal uh, to do that, although for the one week that's coming up in November, it is not. Yep. All right, powering through it and love those locations. You know, some of these we need to maybe do site visits. I totally agree. Don't I mean, the Bahamas, we could do a defending the kingdom from the Bahamas. I'm yeah, I mean, and where was the one a few weeks ago? Uzbekistan? Yeah, Uzbekistan. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there for a, a live show? Sure. Yeah. Um, Reroute the charter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> We've had Iceland, Finland, Latvia, Estonia. Moldova? <laughs> the best. The best one yet. So here we are, powering through it. Uh, and I got this from Andy Reid on Monday night on our Chiefs Kingdom show. Uh, that you can find if you can try to find it, archive it. But he just said, the win over Washington and getting ready to play uh, the Tennessee Titans. He said, we were able to, and he kind of said it parenthetically, but just power through it. And it struck a nerve with me because that second half against Washington was the best half of this season. And all three phases were involved. Everybody got on that plane feeling like they had a piece of it. It wasn't 50 to 49. It wasn't three to nothing. Special teams, two great punt returns by McCall Hardman. The team was able to power through it because you and I were within about this distance. You were helping me spot in that game. And that feeling at halftime, or with Washington driving to start the third quarter, was not a good feeling. It wasn't. And we've been waiting all season for the Chiefs to kind of find a way to get their mojo back. And the only way to do that is to go out there and do it on the field in all three phases. And the first half of that Washington game felt a lot like the Chargers game, didn't it? Where the Chiefs were moving the ball effectively. They just kept turning the ball over uh, in Washington territory. And you get nothing for all those yards and first downs that you rack up. It's very frustrating because you know this team is better than that. And there are interceptions that are uh, totally uncharacteristic of this team, like the one that bounces off Tyree Kill's hands or uh, the one Patrick Mahomes threw up in the air and the fumble that McCole Hardman had. These are uncharacteristic turnovers, and that's been the case throughout the season so far, things that this team has never done in the past, and uh, the ball bounces an unlucky direction uh, a few times, and before you know it, you're in a dogfight with a good football team. So it kind of felt like that in the first half. The second half felt like the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And in all three phases, we always talk about the offense, but the defense was quietly very good last year. Really kept this team in a lot of games. Uh, And the defense was playing like their 2019 self uh, and their 2020 self. 
in the second half against Washington. They kept the Chiefs in the game when the offense was sputtering in the first half, and then the second half, they put the hammer down because they allowed a total of 76 yards uh, from scrimmage, zero points. That's how you win football games against hungry teams like the Washington football team that, I mean, let's say it like it is, they're two and four this year, but they had been in games. They were averaging 25 points per game. They have four first-round picks along the defensive line. They're a talented team, and the Chiefs in the second half of that game said, wait a minute, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. And they looked like it. They looked like a championship team in that second half. And I'm hoping and I really truly believe that by all three phases, pulling themselves up in the second half and showing what they could do, they can carry that momentum and that mojo into next week. Yeah, and Washington still had Antonio Gibson and they still had Terry McLaurin, uh, two of the most underrated players in the league. And this has been a tough schedule at this point. Look at all the division champions. Just take a moment and look at the division, sorry, the division leaders in the AFC. Hmm, guess the Chiefs have played all three of them. And if you look in the NFC, they played Arizona in the preseason and Dallas and Green Bay is coming. The only team they won't play that's leading the division is the NFC South. And I'm sure the league will figure out a way to have some exhibition game that way. But let's get into what, because this uh, episode of Powering Through It, using Coach Reed's own words, is going to center around mental and physical toughness. We love to play fantasy football. We love to play Madden, right? Get them out. Let's go. Wonk, wonk, wonk. <laughs> but you don't have to worry about being physically, maybe mentally tough in some instances, but not physically tough. And this is an opponent this week in the Tennessee Titans where it will be required. Sometimes it takes one person to light a fuse. McCall Hardman did it in the 2019 run to the Lombardi Trophy. Yep. The Chiefs were gasping for air, down 24 to nothing. I said on the air, all it takes is one guy to light a fuse. He returned to kick 58 yards. The rest is history. Started a wildfire. In this game against Washington in the second half, first of all, well, there's a third and two stop uh, and the missed field goal. All right? So give, everything. Give Thornhill credit. That's, that changed things. But then Darrell Williams. All right, the Chiefs were struggling blocking that great front that you talked about. Patrick Mahomes wisely just threw a check down throw on first down. Two Darrell Williams, probably going to get a yard or two, three at the most. Broken tackle, broken tackle, jukes a guy, a gain of 13 yards. You and I, I'm looking over at that sideline, and the whole, the, everything just started to go up and up and up. That sideline was turned on by a guy who did it against negative inertia and made a powering through it kind of play, Darrell Williams. That play was a microcosm of his entire performance. And there's a lot to talk about here with Daryl uh, because he's such an awesome story, first of all. The guy's grinded his entire football career. He was never a starter at LSU. He was behind Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis, two future first and second round picks. He's never a starter there, but whenever he had an opportunity at LSU, always showed out. He had like 1,400 yards and like 19 touchdowns in his career. You just never heard about him. He still thinks he's going to get drafted because he was so good at LSU and those limited opportunities doesn't get drafted. And he told us last week that his mom cried the night he didn't get drafted because she was so disappointed for him. She knew that he could do it, and she cried because he didn't get drafted first time that he ever saw her cry. Mm -hmm. Well, he signs with the Chiefs uh, several years ago and still is never a starter here. 39 career games until last week had never started, but he always grinded. Like Whenever Daryl was in the backfield, you could count on him. He would get the extra yard. He made big plays. He was a closer, and we'll talk about that uh, in some big games. But Daryl was always a guy you felt good about, even though he was never the feature guy. Well, last week he finally had a chance to be the feature guy, and you wonder how does he handle that opportunity? He killed it. He was amazing. And this is a situation where like we love stats, but looking at the box score does not tell the whole story here. 
because he had 62 yards rushing and two touchdowns. But you look at that, you're like, oh, he was pretty good. He was outstanding in that game. And it's because of how he ran every single time he touched the football. He never went down at first contact. Uh, he had 49, actually, 49 of his 62 rushing yards after contact. So he kept powering through guys. He never went down when guys tried tackling him initially. And his performance really characterized the entire Chiefs' performance in the second half because teams are trying to tackle him. Teams are trying to get the Chiefs' offense off the field. And he says, I am not going down unless you force me down. And that was the Chiefs' mindset throughout the second half. And that's the team's mindset moving forward. And Darrell really characterized that. Part of your brilliance, you even used powering through it in just a phrase in, in, in that answer, <laughs> which was awesome. But here's Darrell Williams. You talk about being a finisher. He's 224 pounds. So he brings an element to the running back room that uh, when you look at McKinnon, doesn't have he's not 224, nor is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So there's some power. To finish red zone drives, his two runs, first of all, the second one was awesome. The play side, it's a right side, play side play. It's all clogged up. He instinctively worked his way back to the left side and then able to get to the end zone. So the first thing is you got to have a back that can finish red zone drives. He showed that against Washington. He did, and that's what you need. We need to finish in the red zone against defenses that are trying to get the Chiefs off the field, trying to beat the Chiefs uh, by forcing us into field goal situations. And consistently, he made sure the Chiefs were finishing drives. And that's really been the mantra for this entire season. When the offense is moving down the field, when you have 17 play drives because defenses are playing two safeties deep over the top, you have to finish those drives with touchdowns. And when you have a guy like Darrell Williams who is never going to go down at first contact, who's going to power through uh, the opponent when they try getting to him, and he's going to turn a two-yard gain into an eight-yard gain repeatedly, all of a sudden you start finishing drives. Uh, it's super important to this offense. And, uh, of course, we want to get Clyde back here, and he'll be back in a few weeks hopefully. But we're so lucky to have a guy like Daryl who's experienced, who's talented, who's been around this offense, and who is ready for this opportunity. Yeah, this powering through it phrase feels like a noun at times, and it feels like a verb <laughs> at times. And for Daryl Williams, he's both. Remember, he closed out the Ravens' victory in 2019 on a screen pass of 14 yards when if the Chiefs turn it over, who knows what's going to happen in that game with Lamar Jackson. So, again, Darrell Williams gets our first powering through it award because he flipped that game, in my opinion. Boom, that's it. Uh, <laughs> second guy is a little sneakier here, and it's Rashad Fenton. Okay, Rashad Fenton is a very underrated player, in my opinion, in the Chiefs' kingdom. First of all, he had a great performance last week. He was second of pro football focuses cornerbacks in week six out of 118 corners. <laughs> Fenton was second. But it's not the first time we've seen this. He made the initial stop on the initial stop in Super Bowl 54. Yeah. He stayed in front of Garoppolo and ran him out of bounds, even gave him a little shot that the San Francisco sideline <laughs> thought was personal foul. Rashad Fenton, not the biggest of dudes, will power through it when you need it the most because he's a fighter and he's skilled. He is, and he's one of those players. He was a sixth-round pick a few years ago, and he didn't have a ton of opportunities his first two years in the league. Like, he was on the field at times, mostly on special teams, but wasn't on the field a ton. But when he was on the field, he usually played pretty well, made some big plays in his career, like the interception in Mexico City uh, helped seal that game, and just made some plays over the course of his, his young career to the point where you figured if he has to go in there and play extended snaps – he can probably hold his own, and we're seeing that right now. And when Charvarius Ward hasn't been in there uh, in this Chiefs secondary, you hope guys like Rashad Fenton, who have been around a little bit, who know the defense, who are just waiting for their opportunity, you hope they can take the most of it and make the most of it. And, and we're seeing that with Rashad. I mean, uh, we talked about it in Kingdom Conversations, but when I was spotting for you in the booth, basically I'm pointing at names of who makes defensive plays. And I felt like over and over again, I was pointing at number 27. And that's a good thing. And it wasn't like it was big plays over the top that he was 
getting the guys then. It was like plays in the flat. It was short little slants. He was making plays consistently. And you, we hoped we'd see that growth from him this year. And uh, with some injuries in the secondary, we're seeing it so far. How's your blister on your pointing finger? It's, it's healed up for next week. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. And I can't <laughs> wait to have you in the booth with me. And don't laugh at blisters on Defending the Kingdom. Do not do that. Just ask Max Scherzer. Go right down the line here. Charlie Morton. We'll cover everybody. Zach Grinke. <laughs> uh, who else can we throw in there just to make yeah. sure we're covered there? But anyway, a lot. don't laugh at blisters. Uh, okay. Another guy that's in this powering through it discussion to me is Joe Tooney. Joe <laughs> Tooney, the Chiefs left card, two-time world champion with the New England Patriots. Broken hand. Some thought might be out for the season. Joe Tooney got after it against the Washington football team. He just powered through it. So in Chiefs, Chiefs Rewind, after he broke his hand against the Bills, we were talking, because we don't know anything about it. We just heard he fractured his hand. So we're just talking about it like, man, I hope he doesn't miss too much time. He didn't miss any time. He played the very next week, and he didn't just play. He played against one of the best defensive fronts in all of football and played pretty well. I mean, he is not human. If one of us broke our hand, we'd probably be out of the office for a while. He's out there playing NFL football. It's just a testament to his toughness. I mean, uh, as long as he can do it safely, which it's been deemed that he can, uh, it's all just a mental game at that point. And if if you're both mentally and physically tough, uh, you can power through it. And, I mean, nobody is tougher than Joe Tooney. When the Chiefs need him, I mean, they needed him against Washington. You have a tough loss against the Bills. You want to go into that Washington game. Like I said earlier, get your mojo back. You need uh, all your horses. And Joe Tooney probably could have been like, hey, now nah, I'm just going to take this week off. He's like, no, I'm going to play. And you have to respect that. And it helps him that his right hand is broken. doesn't help him, but he's a left hand. He plays left guard. Could be worse. So, his, yeah, his, foot, his hand goes in the ground uh, with his left hand. That's how he gets his push and pressure. But you remember last week, was it last week I quoted Dodgeball, uh, <laughs> yeah. the underdog story, one of the great movies really of civilization, <laughs> and Patches O'Houlihan. I'm going to quote it again because I want to ask you about the ripple effect of these guys, especially Tooney, because it reminds me of the scene. Now, Lance Armstrong, is some you know shines come off him. The scene where he's sitting there with Vince Vaughn, and Vince Vaughn's going to quit on average Joe's. He sold his team out. And Lance Armstrong goes, yeah, I had testicular cancer, but <laughs> I guess I kind of powered through it. And so, to me, the ripple effect of these guys, especially Tooney, because players know. They yeah. go, the dude maybe shouldn't be playing. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it. It's Lance Armstrong telling Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Maybe you could quit, Vince, but probably not. It, it reminds me, and here's a throwback here, of uh, Tim Grunhard. Because Tim yeah. Grunhard played like a million games in a row. And I wrote a, an article on Tim a few months ago about how he was going into the Ring of Honor uh, and asked, who was it? I asked one of his teammates. Um, it was Dave Zott. I asked Dave Zott about how Tim's toughness inspired all of them. And he said that Tim would play through some things that they – could never imagine themselves playing through. But he'd be like, the team needs me. I'm going to go out there and play. And it inspired the rest of the offensive line, an offensive line that was one of the best in football throughout the 90s and into the 2000s, uh, that, hey, if Tim's playing through this, we got to play through this. And it inspired everyone. And when you have someone like Joe Tooney who's doing a similar thing here now, it inspires everybody. Like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm beat up. It's a long season, um, especially with an extra game here. Uh, it's a very physical game. But if Joe's going to play through this, I can play through what I'm going through. And as long as it's not going to be detrimental to your health or make things worse, if you can play through it, guys will find a way because that's a culture that's being bred here where if you can play through it and it's, once again, it's safe to do so, if you can find a way to do that and you can find that toughness inside of yourself, you do it. And that's what helps win football games. And as you mentioned that, I'm thinking we've talked about three guys here, offense, defense, offense. Again, everybody got on that plane coming home from – uh, Washington, 
feeling like they had a part of that win. Yeah. And guys always talk about missing the locker room when they retire. But those winning plane ride homes, like a game like that where everybody felt a part of it, that marinates. And I'm really interesting to see if that won't carry over to this week because that feeling on that plane hasn't been there for a while. Yeah. Uh, and it was great to uh, to sense that from the guys. Well, in, in, in retrospect of a victory, too, you can look at the offense struggling in the first half as almost a positive for two reasons. First off, the defense really never struggled throughout the game. For the most part, they were very good, except for maybe the touchdown to Ricky Seals-Jones. The defense was terrific, terrific uh, throughout the ball game, uh, forced the football team into field goals in the red zone, uh, forced some punts, forced some third downs. They were good and kept the Chiefs in the game throughout. So it was good for the defense to have an opportunity to go out there and say, hey, we had a real part of that because things could have gotten out of hand. If the football team scores 21 points and the Chiefs aren't scoring anything offensively, all of a sudden it's an uphill climb. Well, the defense made sure that didn't happen. The defense kept the team in the game, and that's very important uh, for confidence moving forward. Then also for the offense to have things not go well in the first half and to be like, oh, here we go again. You know, We're turning the ball over. We're not doing what we need to do. We're pressing too much. For them to reset and to go out there in the second half and be unstoppable. I mean, just like the offense that we're so used to seeing, I think in both ways, the fact that the offense struggled in the first half, both of those things coming out of it uh, is a positive moving forward. And no better example of that than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his worst play as a Chief at the end of the second quarter, we're like, wow, who just got into Patrick Mahomes' body? He powered through it, and in the second half, he became Patrick Mahomes again. And it showed us a lot. And, again, he almost had 400 yards passing. So the stats take care of themselves. But he had to show some toughness. And, again, an example of the rest of his teammates. Like, I just maybe did the dumbest thing I've ever done. But watch this. Yeah. And it was it was awesome to see it. It was. And so the thing with Mahomes is Mahomes magic, right? We, we know what he can do. He can do things that truly nobody can do with the football uh, in his hands. And he's done that over the course of his career. Every once in a while, and this is few and far between, it's not going to work out. And that's what happened on that uh, ill-fated third down pass. But what I love about him and this team is that he doesn't let it bother him. I mean, and this is the mental toughness that we're talking about here. How many guys, if they threw a pick like that, would be just going to a shell and be like, I, I can't, I can't, that can't be my game. I can't throw the football like that. I can't have these crazy broken plays. I need to just, you know, go down to throw it away. I can't be what makes me, me. Well, his teammates immediately, because he told us this after the game, his teammates told him, don't stop being you. We believe in you. Keep being you. We know that nine times out of ten, that play ends up being a highlight reel play that they're going to be talking about on SportsCenter tomorrow. Didn't work out that time, but keep being you. He took that advice, and he believed in himself. And look at the second half, some of the throws he made. I mean, classic vintage Patrick Mahomes throws. Uh, the one that stands out to me is on the third and sixth moving down the field. The Chiefs are only up by, I believe, three points at this point, three or four points. 17-13 at Yeah, it's still yeah. a very close game, even oh, though it feels gosh, like we, we blew him out in the end. And yeah. he, he's moving to his left. Travis Kelsey's moving to the right, and he shovels it like 11 yards. Nobody else can make that play. Uh, picks up the first down, the Chiefs go on and score, and it's a route from that, that point on. If he doesn't have the belief in himself after the interception – that I need to keep being myself, that play doesn't happen. He doesn't throw it because he doesn't want to have another uh, goofy, weird play occur. The belief in himself there was critical, and the confidence in himself, despite a play like that that he doesn't ever want to see again, I'm sure, uh, knowing, hey, that won't happen again because I need to keep being me. And that's what uh, is so important about his mental toughness there. So powering through it, we saw it. We brought up Darrell Williams. We bring up Rashad Fenton. We bring up Joe Tooney. We bring up Patrick Mahomes, uh, who had to come back from that embarrassing play. But if there's a guy in the 62 years of the Kansas City Chiefs slash Dallas Texans 
that comes to mind of thinking powering through it, it's the all-time leading tackler in Chiefs history, DJ Derek Johnson. The ultimate warrior. And he's a guy that I grew up watching. I mean, that was like my era of being a kid watching Chiefs football was Derek Johnson. And we're talking, we'll talk later on about making sure that you're uh, sure on assignments, that you're wrapping up tackles, not missing tackles. And Derek Johnson was that guy, all-time leading tackler uh, in Chiefs history, an absolute legend here in Chiefs kingdom. And what a better guy to talk to about powering through it than DJ himself. I caught up with him earlier this week to talk about powering through it and also playing this Titans rushing attack. All right, we're joined now by one of my favorite players of all time and one of the greatest players in Chiefs franchise history. It's Derek Johnson. And DJ, uh, the theme of our podcast here today is powering through. And you're a great guy to talk to about this because you powered through a lot in your career, not just physically as a linebacker, but also mentally. You went through some struggles uh, on the football field, but always powered through and ended up being one of the greatest players in team history, like I said. When you think about powering through, what are some memories that come to mind for you? Oh man, uh, powering through that, that's that, that I could I could talk all day about this. I mean, uh, when I think of powering through, it's, it's, it's about, it's about uh, fighting through adversity, fighting through something that doesn't favor you. But uh, when you get through it, you'll actually be even better. And that's kind of how the Chiefs uh, are looking right now. It's one thing where it's like, man, they, you know, we're thinking they're going to be five and one at this time, but they're three and three. But I'll tell you what, They've been they've been through some stuff early on, but it's about peaking at the right time. Uh, it's more it's more important to win in November and December. Trust me, uh, than early in the year. But I tell you what, man, uh, powering through that, that that's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I, I, when I think of powering through, I've I've started one in five in the 2015 season with the Chiefs. And I tell you what, we powered through and won 10 or 11 straight after that. Uh, but it's about uh, getting the right pieces together, getting that chemistry right, still believing in what we have in the locker room and shutting out every every other media uh, source uh, that says anything uh, other than what we think about ourselves. Uh, great things will happen. I mean, uh, we have a we have a great nucleus on this on this Chiefs team, so I'm not worried about that at all. That 2015 team is one of my favorite Chiefs teams of all time because of that mental toughness that you're talking about, because the team knew that they could be better than a 1-5 start. That was a total fluke. They knew that they're not a 1-5 team. And to band together and to come together and to not just win all those games in a row, but to win the first playoff game in like 20 years for the Chiefs, it was amazing stuff. It was amazing mental toughness. And you kind of talked about this uh, just now, but I want to ask you about the mental toughness of this year's team because, once again, we know this is not a 3-3 three and three football team. They're better than that. Some balls haven't bounced their way they've lost some games they feel like they should have won but how do you have a mental toughness in the locker room if you're this team to know that hey we can be better than this our goals are still all right there in front of us well yeah that's that, that's what we that's that's what we preach all the time I mean it's not how you start it's how you finish but I tell you what man uh, football is a marathon it's not a sprint it's one of those things where hey whoever can respond the best after adversity uh, will actually uh, beat a team that 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 will be hard to stop later on, and that's the plan, right? It's one thing to stop a team early, but hey, can you stop them when it comes into November and December and towards the playoffs? That's that's when things really come comes together, uh, especially for the Chiefs for the last few years. But uh, trust me, everybody's going to get uh, the Chiefs. Everybody's going to get everybody's going to give their best shot when it comes to the Chiefs, because, I mean, you see the games that they, they lost. I mean, it was like, I mean, people won a Super Bowl because it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where everybody wants to beat the Chiefs. And, uh, um, and we've built that over the years. Uh, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we'll get everybody's best shot. But you know what? Uh, we're strong enough 
to, to be that team, to be that last team standing at the end of the year. And I, I think I think that way about this year, too. Yeah, it kind of feels like every single game is a playoff game, certainly for the other team, and the Chiefs need to match that intensity every single week. It means that they'll be in good shape, though, when the playoffs do roll around, that they've been experiencing these kinds of tests every single week. So uh, hopefully that does help this team here moving forward. Last question for you. I'm just asking about Derrick Henry because he fits into this whole mindset of powering through. The guy powers through opponents quite often, uh, leads the NFL in rushing yards. He's been a total stud uh, throughout his career and particularly this season. As a former defensive player, former linebacker, uh, how would you go about trying to stop Derrick Henry in this game? Well, you know what? Uh, um, I, it's team defense. Team defense. You talk. You talk about a big guy that can run fast. I mean, as far as defense alignment to linebackers to DBs. I mean, everybody has to plug their gaps. I'm telling you, man. Building that wall, setting the edge on the outside, and and and, and corners got to tackle. You got to tackle. It's just that they're going to make you tackle, which is which is which is pretty cool. Cool atmosphere for you, but at the same time, you got to get it done uh, and know that. The other 10 guys, the other eight, nine, 10 guys are coming, but just hold on, hold on. And, uh, and, 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 and the best way to play defense is more than one person around the ball. You got to get a lot of people around the ball. Yeah, great test for this defense this week, but we saw what they could do last week. We've seen what they can do in previous years. Great statement game last week for them, and uh, hoping they can build on that here in this one, because if you can stop Derrick Henry, you can stop just about anybody. DJ, awesome stuff, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. So, DJ, one of my all-time favorites, yours too, but in 28 years of being the voice of this team, DJ's right there near the top of the list of my all-time favorite players. He could clean up a lot of stuff. And speaking of cleaning up stuff and powering through stuff, uh, we want to bring up something that's really exciting for the entire Chiefs kingdom. We're turning to cold water, folks. Turning to cold water, washing with tide. And we're calling on you to do the same. It saves money on energy bills. That's big. It's tough enough to tackle NFL stains, uh, so you can handle a little nacho cheese or whatever you spill on your Arrowhead Red. Now, best of all, Tide is giving fans the ultimate reason to turn to cold, a Talking Chiefs cold washer. I kid you not, it talks to you. Tells you if you're screwing up, hey, get back on track. Uh, It's like having DJ uh, in your house. It's a washing machine that reminds you to turn to cold at every turn with the voice of none other than Travis Kelsey. Take it from me. Cold can tackle all your stains. There it is. It's amazing. Uh, Travis Kelsey talking washing machine. It's just the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Uh, the Ch- Chiefs Tide cold, wash, cold washer could be yours. Just take the plunge to turn to cold and enter for a chance to win. Here's what you do. Just go to Tide.com, and you can power through your next wash <laughs> using cold water wash with Travis Kelsey. All right. The Chiefs are going to need to power through it this week because they are playing one of the power teams in the National Football League. And again, I use it as a noun and as a verb here because of Derrick Henry and the mentality of the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry is underrated. It sounds crazy, but he is. He's had 5,000 rushing yards since the week four of 2018. No running back in the history of the league has ever done that. And the next five behind him are all in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because next on the list is Jim Brown. Wow. I mean, we're looking at the Jim Brown of our time in Derrick Henry of the Titans. He is a rare breed, that's for sure. And we've talked about this all week, that we don't really see running backs like him anymore. We don't really see offenses like this much anymore. Because the running back position nowadays uh, is guys like Christian McCaffrey. It's guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Alvin Kamara, uh, Darren Sproles. Guys that are athletic 
uh, they can be hybrid receiver running backs, basically. They're shifty. They're very quick. Uh, that's what we're seeing a lot. We're not seeing the big, giant, bruising Jim Brown running backs much anymore, except in Tennessee. And, and Derrick Henry is a guy that uh, I'm sure makes Jim Brown proud. Uh, you mentioned some of his numbers. This season, 783 rushing yards uh, going into week seven. I mean, that's insane. He's 260 rushing yards ahead of second place because he obviously leads the NFL. The, the guy's amazing. And the thing with him, and speaking of powering through it, is that they'll just keep giving him the football. And he's not going to run for 10 yards every single time. And look what he did against the Buffalo Bills. He had 20 carries in that game. On 19 of those carries, he picks up 67 yards. So that's three and a half yards per carry. So if you're the Bills, you're feeling pretty good. Like, hey, we're stuffing Derrick Henry. But you can never take a playoff against this dude because uh, when you do, all of a sudden he breaks off a 76-yard touchdown run uh, in the first half, and that ended up being the difference in the ballgame. So Derrick Henry, they're going to keep throwing him at the Chiefs over and over and over again. And we've seen kind of two sides of this coin. In uh, 2019, in the regular season, he ran all over the Chiefs. But in the AFC title game, the Chiefs contained him, kept their focus throughout. He never had a big run in that game. Uh, and they got to make sure they replicate the ladder, hopefully, in this one. I don't care where you are listening or watching to this podcast, Defending the Kingdom, brought to you by 360 Vodka, by the way, the official vodka of the Chiefs Kingdom and the hometown Kansas City Vodka did you ever play, like, uh, tackle the guy at the ball, get the neighborhood kids together? Oh, right? yeah. We all did that, right? Didn't you do that? Even in Estonia and Latvia. Uh, yeah. And then that kid showed up. And you're like, oh, no, it's yeah. that kid. And then he always has the ball, and ten kids pile on him and can't bring him down. And he's, like, you're, you're, you're you know, bumping into acorns in the, in the <laughs> tree, and you're, like, knocked out, and this kid just can't get him down. Or you can play middle school football in Smith Center, Kansas, as a little you know spindly seventh grader, or whatever, and trying to put eye black on and spat your shoes because that's what they do on TV. <laughs> and then the dude shows up that is an early maturation guy, uh-huh. the eighth grader that has underarm hair. Yeah, right. We all know. <laughs> and that guy. And that guy. And you're like, oh my god, I got to tackle this guy. And you grab him by the leg, going, "Can I? Little help? Little help here? Yeah. Little help." And then you get him maybe tackled a couple times. And then you have to do it again and again and again. Yeah, That's what he did to the Buffalo Bills. You alluded to it. The fact that his average yards per carry in the first quarter, meaning Derrick Henry, who's the big kid coming in to play tackle the guy with the ball in the backyard. Oh, that kid's coming. He's under four yards, which is the average in the National Football League, really almost under three. He's six yards a carry in the fourth quarter. He yeah. wears you out. Yeah. Well, remember Justin Verlander? His thing was always that he got better as the game went yeah. on. Like he was throwing like 100. You better hit him in the first inning. Yeah. He, yeah. That's what Derrick Henry is like. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't work that way uh, because you think a running back getting hit over and over again that you get tired over the course of a game. But he, his size, his combination of size, strength, and speed – should, shouldn't be allowed, and he has that when defenders simply don't. And the reality is he tires out defenders to the point where when the fourth quarter rolls around, he's still feeling pretty good, and the defense is like, man, we got to keep tackling this guy. And we've seen that throughout his career. The most incredible stat that I can say about Derrick Henry that when you look at it, it just doesn't make sense, is that uh, the only player that has more 50-yard touchdowns than him since 2017 is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek has 15, and we all know that. Like, we use that stat all the time. Tyreek's a big play machine, and he can do it in so many different ways as a return man, as uh, a wide receiver. You can even line him up in the backfield. But Derrick Henry has 13 50-yard touchdowns since 2017 as a big, bruising running back going through the tackles, and it's crazy. Uh, And we've seen that time and time again, and you just can't let him break free for the big play because it changes games. And it's excellent you bring that point up. He has two this year. He has one against Seattle. Uh, and won the other night against Buffalo. And the reason I say that 
if you're Tennessee, you're thinking you've got to get to 30 points. Yeah. Because people say, you can't run it. You can't do it like Tennessee does it anymore. You've got to throw the ball. Right? There's, there's twice as many 300-yard passing games this year as there are 100-yard rushing games. But if you have this guy, Derrick Henry, the big kid in the backyard you're trying to play tackle the ball with, is the fact that they get chunk and big plays from him. I went back and looked it up. In 38 games, the Titans have had, in their last 38 games, they have scored 30 or more points exactly half, 19 times. 19, 30 points or more, 19 less. In the 19 that they've had, 30 points or more, 11 of the 19, Derrick Henry had a play or two of 35 yards or more. So, you mentioned, and it's great that you bring up Tyreek Hill, run Wasp, get singled against the guy and run like the, the Cleveland play, the Philadelphia play, or you give it to Derrick Henry. The same thing's happening. Yeah. It's just doing it in a different way. It is. And, and the thing with me, with Derrick Henry as well, is also third down. Third down's very important, and keeping the Titans uh, in long third downs because – He's going to get the big play every once in a while for sure, but you can't let him get six, seven yards on first or second down because if you look at the Titans' third down conversion rate this year, it's not very good. They're near the bottom of the league at 38.8%, but when they're facing third and four or less, they are near the top of the league. They're converting uh, 70% of those when many other teams are not. It seems like that would be kind of an easy distance, but many teams are lower than that, and the Titans are uh, doing it almost with ease because they hand it to Derek Henry, and that guy can get four yards in his sleep. So... uh, Big plays are very important, but also making sure that you're staying on your assignment, being uh, technically sound, and wrapping him up, not letting him break free for another couple extra yards because you want to get this team off the field. Just like teams are trying to make sure they're trying to limit Patrick Mahomes' drives offensively, you want to limit Derrick Henry's drives offensively because they can eat up clock, they can eat up yards, and before you know it, uh, the second quarter's over and Der- you've had the ball one time. You can't allow that to happen against this team. Just a different way of doing it. But Tennessee's doing it uh, in – uh, nonetheless. So, again, here we go, trying to power through it. The Chiefs did it in the second half last week against Washington in all three phases. They will power through it against power in Derrick Henry, who is the big kid in the backyard who shows up playing tackle the guy with the ball. Here we go, brother. Last time the Chiefs were there, they lost this game 35-32, and they peeled off nine straight wins and won the Lombardi Trophy. So, all right, here we go. It's the Chiefs against the Titans, and the Chiefs will try to power through it. Touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead. 